5431, we are in live on the episode 190, I believe, of the No Nonsense Nutrition podcast. Do you think we'll be saying this? And you'll be this is episode 10,000. No. I don't think so, mate, unless we are living in the Matrix uh, or uh, in some form of artificial intelligence, biomechanic bodies, or something along those lines, because I think. 10,000 or whatever you just said is quite a, like one a week would be quite a number of years where I think it's most likely to out outrun any mortality that we, we have. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Because it's quite like, I mean, one a week, 52 weeks, you know, uh, mm. 520 would be 10 years, 5,200 would be 100 years. So I don't believe, unless, um, like I say, scientific uh, technological developments move quite fast which they might do because technology does seem to be on a very fast upward trajectory. Um, that will be living that long to put out that many episodes. <laughs> have you, we may not have, but have you ever read the book? The, it's, it's true, actually. The Singularity is singularity is Near and Life 3.0. No, no, I don't think I've even heard of either of those books unless you're about to remind me. But They basically class the singularity, like the singularity is they were talking about it as in when robots are capable of making themselves again like so okay they think that is when you will see an absolute explosion of technology rise because you can go they talk about cancer basically they said um when because you've got oh, what's it called you've got artificial general intelligence which is where people want to go as what scientists are trying to go through so general intelligence like to make it as, as human as possible because AI now is, is niched in it mm. like you know Alexa can do things with Amazon and not you know it's not a great day it's not AI really is it but you know, they can get there and they can make themselves they think right obviously people a cancer research team maybe whatever I don't know whatever, whatever people working eight hours a day each a robot can do it a million times faster and never needs sleep, food, anything. And he, he just goes about then life sleeping off what he thinks could happen mm-hmm. when they reach artificial general intelligence, what the world could look like in like 100 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years. But it's quite interesting to think, actually. And he goes from the tech we've got now, what would happen if robots can make it better and where would it go? It's like, I just find it quite fascinating. So imagine, like, you know, they'd be, they had a situation where this part of the, well, they basically eradicated every disease that ever, that ever has been cancer, AIDS, NEST, everything is gone. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, topic. Yeah. And I think I've listened to a few experts on podcasts talk about this type of stuff where they don't seem too concerned about that happening no. anytime no. soon, at least. Um no. Although you obviously hear some people talk around how they think that it's almost our destiny in terms of our legacy is to leave it to the next generation, which and when I say, when I say next generation, I don't mean obviously the next generation of humans, but as in like, I don't know, dinosaurs, amoebas, uh, I'm trying to think of my history is terrible here, obviously, but obviously in terms of going out through like Paleolithic Neanderthals to um, bystanding hominids or oh my god i'm butchering this bad but obviously basically through evolution to obviously us the next stage of our evolution is to leave it to robots and they'll be the end of human life itself and robots and whether that's humans inside of robots or whether that's just robots i don't know do you know what do you want, do you want something that is gonna you might have heard this i don't know so forgive me if you have but do you want to me to absolutely mash your brain right now with a with um well I, I, I was gonna say a fact or a statistic i don't think it is a fact but um there are some experts opinions that the um odds or the yeah let's say odds the odds of uh us being in some form of simulation right now are higher than not it's really yeah so basically they're saying like if if a simulation it's so basically if you know i suppose a bit like the matrix like we're all plugged into the matrix so it's an easy way to to when what i mean by simulation the the odds are more likely that we are than we aren't 
that's what some a lot of experts believe. Like if you were to say what what are the odds of it happening, the odds are that we probably already are. And that weirds me out to think, so am I? Like th- there is a there is a possibility, and not even necessarily a possibility, if you believe these people, a probability, because the odds are higher to be than not to be, that I am not a person or I don't exist. Or if I do exist, I exist in the realm of being plugged into a computer or a simulation of sorts. Or I might not even be real. I might literally be a program that think that I think's real. Like my the thoughts in my head and brain, I think my own thoughts, but actually they might not be my own thoughts whatsoever. And that might be all part of a massive computer program or algorithm. Does that mm. not weird you out? Because how would you ever know if that was true? You can't prove that theory. Yep. Because this, the simulation could be so good that you'll never know. I know I, I'm quite. I, know I would say I'm quite odd in general, but I'm like, it doesn't really. I don't care if I fuck you way. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. You can't change it, so that's what it is, isn't it? No, I'm of the opinion you can change it. Change it, you can't. Don't get worried about it. I, I think that's a very good viewpoint to have in most things in life. I think, if not, probably all. I think generally why why spend energy or worry about things that you have no f- way of controlling i do think that's a good way to have i just don't think it's very easily achievable by a lot for a lot of people no but it also i think it does depend on circumstance as well and you know you know if you know if a family member is really ill you're like oh that's the way it is but it's like yeah you still you still would try and make the effort to find a way of making better than you yeah also, i'm not saying i would take the same stance but it, you know in, in in general stuff like you know it's, like a, it's like you can't do anything but anyway you'd probably come a bit uh, across a bit of a sociopath if you um just were like oh you've got cancer have you and you're gonna die next week can't change that then oh well let's not worry about it just carry on <laughs> i think that's a bit harsh isn't it? you know that'd be a bit harsh yeah well i i i think so i say i think it certainly shows a and i, I say it shows a lack a lack of empathy or a yeah. lack of uh emotion but i as i say like i, I don't know maybe if you could do that, it would be the most self-preserving thing to do. Yeah, if it, if it would be that guy, I couldn't be the guy for. No, it's, you know, you'd, yeah, you'd have to be a special kind of messed up. Yeah, like, not even care about things go. No, and I suppose that's what I mean. I mean, that's a very extreme example, obviously, but that also aligns with like general things about how people get worried about stuff. And like, I remember, what was it on the? I think it was on the last dance obviously that amazing documentary on netflix about michael jordan um he said something about like someone asked him like after a game i think about was he worried about taking like a game winner shot in like the nba finals and he said why would i be worried about a shot i haven't even taken yet that is true on this because it, it happens in all the time when i was when i was younger i always remember when i was an apprentice it was you have to do a presentation and i did not like to be in front of people but I'm like, why am I worried about something? No, then I wasn't. But I was like, why worry about something else happening? You know, you think... know... No, no, true. But then it's also good to be worried about some stuff because it kind of stops you from getting run over by cars or it stops you from being yeah. eaten yeah. by, you know, wild wolves while you're out in the wilderness. Not that you ever got in the wilderness. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's, often, this is a bit of a different conversation, but how often the people live in the past and the future and not now. I'm worried about what's going to happen, and I'm worried about what's happened already. Oh, like, when you say, sorry. Uh, yeah, I wonder what you meant then. But when you say yeah. living, you mean mentally, as in terms of where do you focus your energy on, in terms of do, why yeah. are you worried about something in the future yeah. that hasn't happened yet? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that probably shows you, though, why, like that comment about Michael Jordan, it shows you how difficult that is, because if it was that easy, there'd be a lot of Michael Jordans winning basketball games, stuff like that, <laughs> which is obviously not a particularly easy thing. Yeah, there will be. Yeah, I think... It's definitely it's definitely easier when you haven't got well the perception of monumental pressure on you, wouldn't it? I think when he's like he's expected to win a game and you would you'd think you'd have pressure on him. Yeah. But I'm he's sure. like the character who didn't really let it well, he didn't let it get to him yeah. because he was good all the time. I think um I think there's definitely obviously a lot of pressure on him. Uh and I think yeah, even that realm of like why things like pressure and anxiety and worry about things that haven't happened yet exist because mm. they're, they're kind of almost survival mechanisms aren't they they're almost like they're trying to keep you alive i think the, the issue is a, like a lot of things in that modern day deeply embedded genetic stuff like this which to be fair me saying that just shows you that 
I'm saying things that I probably are completely outside my wheelhouse and I have no idea if that's actually factually correct or not but let's just go with it uh those sort of things that could be deeply embedded as survival mechanisms just don't work very well in today's society in terms of worrying about presentations and worry about stuff um yeah because obviously worrying about being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or worried about getting run over by a car even are positive and good survival or safety mechanisms the the worrying about things like a presentation nowadays which you know might be a similar mechanism but just doesn't really work in modern society where you're not going to die at the end of it yeah because because he because even when you worry about things out now you 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 still get the hormonal response and you still get that response and it's like you, you you're having a response to something that's that's not even happened no right. it's... but it's odd it's not odd it's how the body works and it's like why but clearly it's not it's 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 hard not to worry about certain things and the other things but i'm saying when you've got kids you worry about think oh what happens if i think it's like oh can I, you know hope she has a good life or i hope he has a good life and hope nothing happens but it's like you're thinking about the future that you because you don't know you can't control it anyway you can only do what you can do with your kids and then you know you parent them as good as you can and they fly off and hopefully they do well in life but you can't worry about what you, what you do because i do but <clears throat> It's hard not to worry as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's hard. I said, I think it's built in kind of like your your sympathetic nervous system, isn't it? In where, I think it's sympathetic. I always get those wrong. I don't know if I ever get those the wrong way around, parasympathetic and sympathetic. That kind of, yeah, that that like fight fight or flight response sometimes where you kind of get these, um, like you say, hormonal responses or whatever causes them to then suddenly be like, oh, I now need to do something because... You know, I've got this idea of either, I need to do something. I might either fight or fly, otherwise I might die. Mm. Which is you've got a flight, flight or freeze, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> trouble in. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. It's not like, well, you know, they that that response itself is just not really, not relevant, but it's not useful in the types of situations where we still no. experience them. Like I say, even things like when people are worried about stand-up presentations and stuff. And that I always actually laugh because there's a guy I used to work with said it like about he was i don't know he was just pointing out about being relaxed about something at work and he just came to the point well you know we're not saving lives here are we as in you know like we don't work for the fire service or police or army or or a doctor or something that is far more important um and i thought well yeah it's right actually yeah why why are we worried about stuff like this because we're not saving lives here um yeah there, there, yeah there is that i, I find that like sometimes <clears throat> where i work it's like the the like the, the decisions people make i'm like ah what do you want about like you know you know fucking operating on a baby like you like you just you're making you know, the product we make I'm like Jesus Christ what are you worried about yeah and you know but, but I, I, people do sort of worry about things like bang about no like in work for example yeah you are you know you're not saving fucking kids from fucking cancer you're not fucking saving people's lives not being surgery and that's fucking that's that's unbelievable pressure and I can imagine them getting stressed. But like you know, how often we get worried about bullshit? Yeah. For it's, I'm not saying it's not, it's not it's hard not to worry in it, but uh, it's it's people worry. Yes, yeah, like a lot of people worry about the future and the past and and life passes them by, and they sort of think, what's that doing my life? I'm like, uh, I don't know, not much. Yeah. Which you know, not good really, is it? But. No. Uh, anyway, Johnny, how is uh, how? Let's get an update because we haven't had an update in ages about your um, your training and nutrition. Training is uh, pretty good, really. When we can uh, obviously get down there, so <clears throat> depends on a week, really, because I'm <clears throat> our work falls. But in general, training is uh, pretty good. I'm actually getting stronger and I'm getting lighter, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. generally speaking, isn't it? Um, uh, just just on that actually sorry mate i was gonna say i will say anecdotally i have often experienced that actually kind of feel like i've gotten stronger or still got a good amount if not more progression during dieting phases than than not which is weird so you would you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it kind of aligns in that more energy more food fo- more food they really terrible accent then more food more uh um i suppose like protein more protein synthesis in a better um environment for for any anabolic stimulus yeah i found that i don't know why but certainly at the start of a diet i've often think oh i feel a lot stronger and feel actually the better and i don't know where that comes from 
Yeah, I think it was a bit strange, isn't it? Really. But what, what I find when I when I die and I get further into diet, I died before, strength doesn't seem to go... It will, I think it will, when you get to certain levels, it, it will end up going a little bit, but my stamina goes quite quickly to, like, whatever. Andrew K. Scott for whatever. It'll be a couple of reps short. So what, um, so you're doing three instead of, like... Well, four. no, you're doing, you're doing one instead of three. <laughs> I, will, I hope that wouldn't be the case. But uh, this time it's been, uh, it's not been pretty, especially on squats for some reason. I don't know why, but you squat is my sh- probably my shittiest one. I quite, I, I quite like squats, but they were quite long uh, femurs, so <clears throat> quite long legs. Mm-hmm. Quite hard to get down all the way, but this time it's been uh, pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And in, in general, our strength's been pretty good. We've Either we mostly been doing two. It's one body part a week with them because how they train. So I'm like, well, I just got to follow in with uh, <clears throat> what they do. And then if I if I think right, we haven't done enough volume there or whatever, I'll mix up in the garage. So if we've done arms at the end of a session, like I think, oh well, I'll do it again now on the weekend in the garage, isn't it? But funnily enough, which is probably the opposite of when you when I normally diet is. <clears throat> Appetite seems to be getting worse, which is, I mean, worse as in... As in more productive for dieting. Yeah. Like, I found... Well, I would have been eating it before, like, but there's a, like a curry mix from B&M's a pound. Um, I make 200 grams, between 200 and 250 grams of chicken breast with it. And I just, and I just batch cook it. And, I, and I, I use that with a, just a tump load of mixed veg frozen now so it doesn't take no um, time to cook or no prep anyway and I've just been eating that sometimes two or three times a day because I know it's about 400 and a bit calories for whatever it is 440 and it's been pretty decent and because I'm and I, I'm normally I have to have breakfast quite early and that, that hasn't really been the case I've had breakfast later on more often than not Mm-hmm. Which is odd for me because I'm like I've got to eat now. Unless you know, if I'm training, sometimes we train like eight o'clock. But I realise I was six. I will eat straight away just to make sure I got enough energy for. I'll try and keep carbs around the work or the window rather than anyone else because they're more useful. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's, it's a bit odd. However, I know I'm probably sometimes I'm probably under sometimes I'm on eight. But today I'm on. I can't remember my phone, but I'm on about sixteen hundred. And I'm thinking if I. If I employ mindful eating like I tell my clients to, then I I could sometimes it ten to nine and I wash match a day, so probably I'll, I'll try and just stick to like a casein shake before bed. I know maybe that's hundred and fifty calories, so I'm probably gonna be eighteen hundred for the day. Yeah, and it's not really been much of an effort, which is bizarre for me, really. However, the odd thing is weight has stayed the same or even gone up this okay. for the last week or so, which is like right, I'm not really worried about it, which is how it is, isn't it? But do do you, do you feel maybe like you've just got in a nice groove and it's becoming easier because you've just found a nice easy groove that you're just flowing through and you're not you, you know you're not you haven't forced resistance you haven't yeah. kind of changed directions loads in terms of and when I say change direction loads I mean like in terms of like your nutrition hasn't had to be really flexible because of kind of no. going out or you know like making specific food choices that then kind of means you have to then flex parts of your thing instead you're just in a nice easy groove and just flowing through it. Yeah, and because I, like you said, I, my my food choices are very limited, not a, well out of choice. Not because you know I'm one of the like you've got to be clean to to get shredded. But I'm okay. So right, I know if I have a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of that, like you know the old flex bowls and just put as much shit in a bowl as you can. I'm like it doesn't fill me up. It, it makes me crave more for the same shit. And it's like you can't really have things like that twice in a day without you really sacrificing the rest of your day. And there's, for, for me, and I think this will go for a lot of people, that you're better off limiting your food choices. So you almost don't look forward to the meal as much. So you're not, you don't tend to over-consume it. Yeah. And the things I'm eating, like the curry mix, it's like I think it's, the, it's, like, cause it's just basically powder, the all the spices and herbs with water. So, I mean, I think half a pack is like 
it's ridiculous nothing it's hardly anything I think mm. they mix together 60 calories or something ridiculous so I just jammed loads of that on frozen peas frozen onions uh, mixed veg and a chicken and that's 400 calories and it's a big plate of food what I've also done is see this giant bottle of water that I'm yeah that's a 2.2 litre so I've been I had um, a blood test the other day because I do just to see what's happening everything was good um, but hematocrit was quite high when I say quite high it was out of it was marginally out of reference range I think the reference range is 38% to 51 I think, whatever it is, something like that. So hematocrit is basically the amount of solids that are in your bloodstream compared to, yeah, yeah, basically the amount of solids that are in your bloodstream. And obviously the more solids you've got in your bloodstream, the more likely it is you'll have a thrombotic event. So like strokes, heart attacks, blah, 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 all that stuff. But <clears throat> hematocrit is affected a lot by hydration so I'm thinking right my hematocrit is pretty high which it was it was marginally about 51 is the top but I was 52 and a bit so hematocrit is is affected a lot a lot by dehydration so I realize I'm actually I'm probably not drinking that much really considering I'm, I'm generally just when I'm working I'm pretty active I'm very active in working at 20,000 steps I think well, actually I'm, 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 I'm drinking the 2.2 litre a day and maybe 600 seven on top of that so I'm thinking actually I'm probably a bit, a bit dehydrated so I have gone to two of those a day and I don't include like I have quite a big mug of coffee now and again I know it's you know there's water in that clearly but I don't count that towards my water so I make sure I get at least two of them in a day so that's 4.4 litres and mm-hmm. I that's made me feel because it's so much water and bloated quite a lot I'm like I'll take that I'll take this because it stops me from eating I think like, I don't really feel like eating now because I, I try and chug on them early uh-huh. on it pushes my breakfast back a lot and I'm like I don't really want a big breakfast I feel like shit because I feel so full so I'm like alright I can accept that but I guess so I think that also the importance of blood testing as well not for when you're like maybe not in your 20s but when you get older 30, 40 it's useful to know little things that may affect you in 20 years. It's like, if you've got a skewed um, HDL ratio, you're probably not going to know when you're 30. Are you? It's probably not going to be an issue until you're 50. But if you can catch when you're 30, it's like, well, actually, I, you know, my HDL is a bit low or my LDL is a bit high. You think, well, actually, let's try and sort it out now rather than 20 years' time when it's like, oh, fuck me, you've got uh, heart disease or whatever. Well, yeah, there's some just saying this, and this could be worth people uh, doing some blood testing again, especially as you get older, just to see what's going on. Mm. Just to get a baseline of what's going on. Because then, don't people start sell you, like, I think there's a lot of health supplements on the place there. You think, oh, yeah, there's good evidence that, but like, all right, does it, re- is it, does it really make a difference? It's like what I've done, because my old man's got. Doctors say high high cholesterol, but that can mean like, yeah, well, what is high? Probably LDL in it. So, again, mine is okay. This, so, let's see if slow niacin makes a difference because that probably that marginally makes uh, a difference of the ratio between LDL and HDL and makes it better. So, I think I'll try it and I'll do another one just to see if it actually does anything. And that's a good thing as well for, you know, if you can see what's going on with your health and what actually makes a difference and what doesn't make a difference as well. I know it's a bit of a random off-topic thing, but I was thinking this earlier on. It's like if people got early blood tests, they can monitor their health better and they can see what they are doing, how that impacts inside. Because nobody knows, really, do they? I mean, you could be training and you could eat healthy, but your insides could be like dog shit for whatever reason, because of a family history of something or other. So it's worth, especially when you're like maybe 30 once a year, when you grow older, maybe twice a year, when you're 50, 60, if you can afford it, you know, two or three times a year to monitor certain things, you know. What's, what's, the, what's the saying? An ounce, an ounce of prevention is better than a whatever of cure, something. I'm butchering that clearly, but 
You know what I'm trying to say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, very long-winded. How would you die going to blood test, really, isn't it? <laughs> yes, but um, I mean, at the point around, obviously, I guess getting regular blood, blood tests, um, not just about cholesterol and oh. um, different lipoproteins. Um, obviously, I suppose fundamentally, it's like having a health MOT is probably a good thing for most for most things just to check out because obviously a lot of um disease states you know they manufacture over a long period of time through increased or higher risks of certain uh, behaviors and activities that you do over long periods of time not just you know you don't just suddenly wake up one day and say oh uh my arteries are building up with very low density lipoprotein particles oh i'm feeling like my blood's a bit restricted and maybe i'm gonna have a heart attack it's like mm, you don't notice that until you know a long period of time and a lot of that stuff is then irreversible you know yeah. i i'm not really an expert on um um you know ask sclerosis or any other type of kind of like heart disease stuff really um by any stretch but my understanding is obviously a lot of those things where kind of you get plaque build up within in the arteries over a period of time that they a lot of that is irreversible um and obviously that's what causes you know heart disease or, or one of the causes of heart disease so yeah you're not just going to suddenly just wake up one day and suddenly go oh I'm gonna have, i might have a heart attack today i better stop eating shit all the time or i better start improving my my well my health seeking behaviors so um yeah i think it's a good idea i think imagine it maybe it's much probably not in your 20s really a doctor but like, you know when you start maybe in your 30s if, if imagine if everyone not everyone but everyone who starts in their 30s or a lot of people who did that i think actually you know, how long does, you know, heart disease take to acquire? A long time, over 20, 10, 20, 30 years of poor choice. If you can go, right, I'm 35, and my HGL is low, but my LDL is quite high. Right, I've seen this now when I'm 35. If I address it now, you know, you could literally prolong your life by 20 years. If you've gone, right, actually, I, I, I could have stopped the I know it's a ridiculous thing to say, but I could have stopped the heart attack in 20 years' time, or a stroke, or whatever. I think how much doesn't affect the NHS now, really, does it? But imagine in 20 years, if all lackable people have now come to the age where these issues come into play, and actually, Christ, we've got like a, I don't know, a 60, 70% reduction in heart disease over the last 30 years because all these people have monitored what they've done for years and have managed to correct it before it becomes an issue. Yes. Think how much money that would save the NHS in 30 years' time. I know it's not just that particular, but, you know, that accompanied with proper nutrition education in schools so that the, the, our kids now are like three, four, five, six, seven, come up where they've learned proper nutrition from the get-go. Mm-hmm. They haven't got the issues of maybe past generations of ads all that together. I think much money that would save the NHS and the, prolong, the prolongation, whatever, of health for general population. It's definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's like when they send you the blood test, they give the top, the three things at the top that will kill you quickly. Kind of, it goes down and down and down, and more, you know, kills you over years and years and years. But you know, if you've got like high hematocrit, you could like actually I'm dehydrated, or you could have other issues which you haven't you haven't found yet. Showing any symptoms of them yet? You know I mean, so you think actually that's an issue. Let's see if I can go to the doctor. Look, I've had his blood test. What's that mean? Oh yeah, da 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 da. Maybe I'll just sort it up now before I guess we're going to So, um, <laughs> mo- mo- moving on, obviously, you talked about nutrition, and obviously, your dieting is very routine and easy, which is good. Obviously, so you're starting a few results, although you've mentioned about the weight store, and clearly, you've audited your own activity or your own kind of actions and realized that, well, you know, by all stretch of the imagination, you are performing what you're supposed to do. So, your body will respond at some point. You're just going to trust the process, which is mm. obviously what you should do. Um, Training wise, then you, you you kind of slightly touched on it, but obviously moved on quite quickly in terms of like where are you in in kind of like uh, planning or progression. So I think last time we spoke, you weren't really following any type of plan, and you were just going by feels or just kind of like tra- not training for fun, but you were just kind of kind of training hard generally without actually really yeah. bothering too much. Is that still the case? Yeah, because of obviously we are using the special gym, which is. A friend of mine, so I'm like, I will follow what you do because obviously you've done me a favour. Let me use this, so I will go with what you do. He train, you know, he trains you the yard, trains the failure quite a lot. 
I'm like, all right, I can deal with that. That's fine by me. But the volume, I'm not saying the volume weight, but the because we don't need to win one, generally speaking, or one body part a week. I think is more chance you can get away with failure training like that because you're not then going to get on a Wednesday and we've done chest on a Monday or something like that, or Monday, Monday, Thursday. So yeah, so generally speaking, we do one body part a week, and I'll do. It's going to be a lighter session on the garage because I'm going to weight. But then if I think I need another session, I'll go down there. So it's basically, yeah, at the whim, I'm not really... Because he tends to do not the same session every week. I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering the big, the bigger lifts. I got in my head, if I'm progressing on squats, deadlifts, bench, mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, I'm probably getting stronger. Well, I am getting stronger on those things, so I'm thinking overall, I'll be okay. I, I, I'm not going to say this is optimal, but I'm, it's just the circumstances at the minute dictate that this is how it's going to work. Because I'm thinking as well, is I don't need as much volume to maintain muscle as I would to build it. So I'm not... I'd have more of a, I'd have more of a issue with it if I was trying to actively you know, gain muscle over a long period, but because I'm trying to lose body fat and retain muscle, I'm not too concerned with training at the minute. Okay. As in the way it's going, not well actually training itself, but I was going because we hit it hard. It's failure quite a lot of the time, so I'm you know I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Okay. Could be better, yeah, but well, it is what it's, you know. You take into account we're in a global pandemic and don't have access to usual stuff, then. Do what you can, don't you? Yeah, and it's and it's you know it's been okay, but I think I realised as well like I'm probably gonna over time put a lot more stuff in the garage. Yeah, yeah. And then because you always know then if you if you need to, we can always go. You know, if I'm from work, you know, I work six till six. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I'm in a rush, I can just go down there. If there's enough there, I can do most of the session down there. And if touch wood, it doesn't happen ever again. But something like this ever happens again, then. There's obviously that as well, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I uh, obviously have my own gym, and I will say it is uh, the best thing I ever did in terms of my training and nutrition. I think so. I think for me, I wouldn't be able to train it all the time, but I think as a as a as an all as a backup, it's always a good thing because shit happens in life. Sometimes you go like, I, I plan to do this after work, but something's come up, and I actually can't do it that day. Whereas you can go right, I actually I can just train at ten o'clock at night now if I really want to do and get it out of the way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you. So yeah, so how's your uh, nutrition going, Brizzle? You still uh, bulking, not sulking? Uh, I don't know if I like the word bulking. Really, we spoke about this before, but I don't really. And uh, yeah, the problem is I don't really feel like there's another word to use. Um, you know, you t- massing, gaining, bulking. Uh, they're all a bit wanky, aren't they? So mm. yeah. So um, no, I am. Um, Obviously now, obviously, obviously for the following me, uh, August was when I start stopped dieting, or stopped, or stopped my last diet, I should say, and uh, have been um, slowly gaining weight since then. Um, I did actually do a recce the other day to check out what my rate was in terms of my rate of gaining, and I've averaged 0.73% per month, which is probably a bit higher, actually, than I would originally wanted or set out. I was aiming kind of more around the quarter to a half percent per month. Um, I it's all right, there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean that equates to like less than you know, like about a pound and a half a month, say, so less than that. So yeah, I think in that respect, it's all right. It's it has been boosted a little bit by uh, well, actually in January, but because um, I don't think I weighed myself much over the end of December, but obviously it's boosted by a uh, four pound increase from December to January because of Christmas. Um, and I think genuinely, that's a reasonable four pound genuine weight increase in body fat not or maybe not necessarily all body fat but it's a genuine increase it isn't trying to transit stuff like water and glycogen and stuff because um that is kind of includes an average over a long period of time where weight is settled post christmas period so um you know it's a true weight gain i would say um so that's kind of increased a little bit probably i think without that it'd probably be closer to the half percent mark which was 
obviously what I originally set out to kind of go for. So I'm kind of still pretty happy. I think I have to accept or, or need to accept that Christmas was always going to be like that. And I was always going to enjoy myself for Christmas. And I, and I was certainly not going to be the individual to like have one day at Christmas and overeat or, you know, or kind of rein myself in it because it's just not really in my mentality or psyche at the moment, if ever it will be. Um, so no, but I'm still relatively happy, still very happy with my condition. Um, would I say that like, when I say when I say when I say very happy, I mean I'm very accepting is probably the best word for it. In that, yeah, I feel I look alright. I probably still look better than most people my age. Um, I still I feel fit. I feel healthy. Uh, you know, I don't hate what I, what I look like in the mirror and stuff. And I still feel like I've got a good uh, amount of progression in front of me before I probably really need to start dieting again. So, which was my aims. Really, to, my aim was hence the the conversation around rate again was to just avoid dieting for as long as possible. Um, that being said, uh, I had always planned in some mini cuts at some point, which I might utilize over the next probably month or two. Um, I think it might just be a useful time. I think I'm probably getting to the upper end of maybe just kind of a, a dieting phase to reduce some of the, the more negative stuff of mass in, whether that's kind of sensitization to stuff or which I think is a bit psychological more than anything anyway, um, than anything. Um, but also kind of regenerate some of the appetite stuff not that i've got appetite problems at the moment but i can see myself in a couple of months having a bit like oh i don't really feel like eating like you you know kind of things you were talking about but less so because of food variety and stuff and more so because of just like overfedness um which i got to really bad at the end of my experiment back end of the year before last if you remember when i went for my 30 odd pound weight gain it was where i felt really just sick of food unless it was donuts and Reese's pieces type thing um but yeah no all good I, the training's going really well I'm now week six into my uh uh SBS program that I bought which I, don't, I think I've talked about in the podcast before so first fitness product I ever bought was the um uh, stronger by science it used to be the average to savage which great segue no longer can be called average to savage because a few people explained that there is some negative connotations with the word savage because of um i suppose it's not a particularly nice word savage uh it, it, it aligns with things like i don't know um ancient indians yeah. and savages you know like the, the term savage in in ancient history is obviously aligned with not very nice people so um it, it can be offensive to some demographic people nowadays so um which we will come on to what well, that's a segue in a moment i suppose um not didn't set that up in the slightest i swear to god but yeah no the, so it's now the sbs program which to be fair week six going really really well actually really enjoyed it um mainly i think because of the variety and obviously i've done my own programming for the last four or five years having three of those years uh my own gym with limited equipment makes makes obviously variety a little difficult albeit you can still get a good amount of variety from from home training sessions as long as you've got enough equipment in terms of bar, enough weight plates barbell dumbbells and a cable machine that makes a huge difference yeah um but yeah so i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying it let's say it's, it's the the program itself has got a uh, like an auto regulated um progression model in it in that you like you you kind of follow a program plop in some weights and obviously it'll then kind of auto regulate based on uh what was the word phrase he uses um basically like max sets at the end of so you might do two sets on it and then your third set i think it's like um target rep no i don't come on he's basically giving it a name to like an all-out set at the end um which obviously then based on how much you beat or don't beat the target of your all-out set kind of then models what your next starting weights might be okay, um yeah. on kind of like your next um micro cycle so uh, yeah it's really good enjoy it actually i would say it's well worth the ten dollars um, bear in mind it's probably the sort of thing that people will charge hundreds of dollars for um but greg's such a stand-up dude that he um makes it very affordable for people so i do think oh, when you buy that program you have to have, you couldn't it'd be difficult to work out if you were a novice well the, the spreadsheet itself is fucking ridiculous and it comes yeah. like a 150 page instruction guide to even start to set it up um, you've got to go through like fill out two or three tabs in terms of setting out things like your max lifts because it's it's a based off an intensity um, model of like your your one rep maxes so obviously you pop in your one rep, rep one rep maxes and then it will basically say 
this is your nominated weight for these weeks or whatever and then obviously it'll then auto regulate over time as you kind of either beat the model or don't beat the model so if you significantly beat the model obviously weight goes up a lot higher in terms of your following weeks than if you just meet like what your rep, mac, rep out max sets were um but yeah what is what it has given me well i think another reason why i've enjoyed it not just the variety i'm different but it's allowed me because i guess like the instructions were be quite lenient in terms of what you put in so that they can be quite tough if you basically just go in balls to the wall from the start so if you basically put in like your heaviest ever one rep max um and you kind of don't give yourself any room to go into you're going to stall very quickly or struggle so i kind of was quite conservative and that's what the instructions said but be conservative to start with you've got plenty of time to go through it and grow into it which is what we would probably say for most programs anyway but um i did that and it's what it's allowed me to do is like some of the exercises i was, doing, I was thinking what is this it thinking i can't remember what it was like i was squatting something like the start and 85 or eight reps or something which you know i may not a very good squatter anyway um so i'm not claiming to obviously like have the best squat in the world but coming from the program i was doing before i was like this is quite a drop um in terms of kind of the weight and stuff that i was using thinking, mm. but it's allowed me to really focus on my the kind of like the scientific principles of actually lifting so form and making sure my rom is good full controlled motion that sort of stuff and i've really enjoyed it like even my squats as an example so last before i started this program squats very much i was i would say like most of my my, my, my the numbers were very much strength based in terms of like i was probably doing through four to six seven reps depending upon what session it was um and like every rep felt very 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 heavy um to a point where i, I guess you know i might get three three reps into and then have to take like a second breath and then go another again and just almost like mini pauses between reps and you start to think to yourself mm, am i cheating myself here is this actually the end of a set or does it count as the same set because i've actually had to stop and obviously like um, take the weight bearing off of my muscles and, and kind of just hold have a, a breath or two and then go again it kind of most people would say it's part of the same set but actually you might argue it's not in this new program where obviously clear the weight's a lot lower i've just kind of been focused on making sure that i'm not pausing between reps i'm like nice steady flow throughout focusing on like full controlled motions and stuff and i think it's made quite a bit of difference i think it does i think because <clears throat> range of motion i'll be people People know that if you want to progress, you've got to increase volume, but uh, very important is increase <clears throat> intensity. And you do find that <clears throat> a lot of people, I've been guilty of this as well, and I imagine you probably have back in the day, that <clears throat> range of motion tends to get a bit smaller. Yeah. <laughs> when you start progressing quite quickly, you're like, I've actually progressed here, or is my range of motion? just get a bit shit out every time yeah we, i mean we we did talk, i don't want to go over that too much mate only because i think we obviously talked quite a lot about it in the last one didn't we around kind of how that happens um so obviously i don't want to repeat exactly what we spoke about last week but i think the, my, my point on that was more around kind of just saying that it's allowed me to focus on a different form of progression as it because i do think to a certain point which is which is related but not going over the same old ground i do think that there's there's a, a a line or a argument to be had around how far you let form slip based on when you get heavier like you just said almost like things do start to change slightly in terms of range of motion and things you can't there comes a point where you can't just keep adding weight to the bar and keep the same range of motion i think for a lot of people because they just they don't seem to progress um mm. and it's not linear enough to that you can just progress slowly from just putting weight on the bar to, to the next week to put weight in the bar and just keep in the same range because I just think people just you can't it's almost like the the progression jumps are so small that the the weight on the bar would always be too big to keep the same form so like basically you you, you might be strong enough to lift another I don't know 500 no 250 grams say of weight like that's your kind of real level of how much progression you've had from the week before but no one has a 250 gram weight plate unless you buy little fractional ones like most people don't have those unless you're like a power lift and you bought your own and you know you just have to have them. most people have you know 1.25 kilos so as soon as you put that 1.25 on and obviously either side that's far more weight than what you can actually progress on so at some point it comes where actually you have to like form has to slip a little bit because obviously you're trying to get bigger and stronger and i think the argument comes down to how much do you let that how much, how much do you allow form to slip a little bit on when you're chasing basically progression in other areas I think I, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know how much I agree with because obviously the 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 
the purists will say never there is no slipping form and that your range of motion should be absolutely a star perfect every single time and you do not increase the weight until it is other people say no you increase the weight your form will slip but then you practice that until you've all said you progressed enough so that your form gets better under that weight mm. and i don't know where i fit in terms of my own opinion on what's best i do i think it's probably like most things a bit in between where actually i think you have to accept there is always going to be a little bit of form slip when you're trying to progress things especially when you progress an in intensity and add a weight to the bar um i th- i guess that it's probably more of a range in that if you put away the bar and your form slips so far that it then becomes outside of that range that's the problem so but yeah. as, conversely kind of going back to full one or 360 to my own my point is um kind of the following this program and obviously reducing a lot of the intensities that i've been kind of used to working at has really allowed me to say right okay well i'm not really focusing on kind of the intensity progression that i was doing before and i'm going to focus more on now just making sure i'm really enjoying the manner in which i lift in terms of my my form my range of motion mm. and all of those like my control and all those types of things so um long-winded That's i fair. know but i enjoyed it i mean like i say week six now which is the final which is what you'd probably describe as the overreaching week because next week is a, a dead um a deadlift uh, a deload so um obviously it's starting to become quite hard this week in terms of the the weight progressions have gone up and the reps are still quite high so um yes i suppose i'm just going to try and make sure see if i can get through this week and wreck myself and to allow myself a little rest next week and earn that deload almost that's fair they are they are i think i mean i guess sometimes i think when i get to that point where i'm like oh if i make have to make a decision based on something in terms of right there's a decision to be made here do i increase the weight or doing that am i increasing reps or whatever the decision is if I know I've got a deload next week, I think, right, okay, I should be taking the harder route then because actually I, you know, I'm trying to make the most of this week prior to the deload week. So I'll usually try and think, right, okay, this is where I earn almost the hypertrophy, this is where I earn the muscle gain and obviously make sure I then pick the decision that aligns to that rather than picking the easy way out almost. Makes yes, sense. all good. Just going through the motions like most things really, like a bit like you where you just have to like more so in muscle gain, muscle gain, that phase, I said it, wanky phrase, but more so in kind of like my position at the moment it's you just have to just go through the motions and trust the process and not think too much about any end outcomes because it's just so slow you just you'd give up yeah especially with muscle gain it's so it's, it's so much more it's so much slower than uh you know fat loss you can look at it you can look at week to week and that you know you could make a difference but month to month even muscle gain you're like mm, you know maybe looking at a pound or so mm-hmm. but it does show how, how, how slow muscle gain really is yeah. People, at least 12-week progress people sell it's just fucking bullshit you can, I mean you can make progress in 12 weeks are you going to yeah. make any visual progress so much that you're gaining tons of muscle no unless probably you're not be- yeah unless yeah. you're be- yeah unless you're beginning unless you never lifted before or you come back from an injury and stuff then you might start to see the muscle memory kick in or, or newbie gains kick in and then they might be more visual but I think over 12 weeks most uh, intermediate or beyond um people are not going to see enough that's really really noticeable i think that's sometimes that's clients expectations they come to you thinking that in 12 weeks they're going to get like massive or whatever and i think half our job is to convince people that you're not going to be able to make that much in 12 weeks like most people it takes 12 years to get something really substantially noticeable um all right 12 years might be a bit extreme but for a lot of people it does take years and years and years to them to be able to look back on a phone and go oh shit i have made a lot of photo uh, progress actually I think I think a lot of people start off too fat as well, and I I mean fat as in I don't mean fat, but they start the body fat is too high, so when they actually do bulk or try and gain muscle, they they tend to look worse because you're going to gain some amount of fat, and you haven't got the definition for your body to carry that a little bit of extra fat. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, oh, you, you you mean you mean I mean yeah. obviously you mean when they start over fat. You mean as in terms of how they feel they look and how the end results yeah. look rather than because yeah. because obviously what you're not saying which i think you're not saying anyway you're not saying that it, like being leaner means that you're gonna gain muscle better than being a slightly no. over fat it's just more you, you know being leaner you've started from a lower place therefore you probably end up looking a bit better by the time you've finished your bulk compared to starting a heavier position and then it looking bigger but heavier at the end of a bulk yeah because you look at you know what you would class, you know, we talk about competitive because uh, people look at competitive bodybuilders, don't they? And physique athletes and the, the extremes they go to. But you think if you're a bodybuilder off season who's like 15, 16 percent body fat, you're probably too fat. But whereas 
know, to me and you and most, well, 99% of the world, 50% is a good condition to be in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but if, but if you if you start at 50 and say, boy, if I'm going to 20, you are going to look worse. You may have gained a bit of muscle, but you're going to look worse. But if you started from nine and you go to 14, you still, you still, you've got evidence. You still look, so it looks like, it looks like you've gained more. Yeah. And you can see the difference. Whereas if you go from being middle teens to 20, you tend to look worse. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously most bodybuilders, I don't think most bodybuilders, obviously they do well at some point in their career, but most people would say that you shouldn't be getting over 20%. And obviously the 20%, 15%, 10%, whatever we're saying are arbitrary numbers and you know, they're not yeah. really scientific numbers or based on anything. But colloquially, people tend to know what you mean when you say around those sort of numbers, don't they? But um, yeah, getting over the 20% is probably not really optimal or providing any extra benefit to muscle gain or whatever um and obviously you're just giving yourself a harder time to diet at the end of it if you are getting down to very lean amounts for a show then you know that's even more prominent because it's going to be even more difficult um but then obviously a lot of bodybuilders will get up to 20 percent over periods of off uh, off seasons and trying to gain muscle and then have to do you know diets and before the diets which is fine you know for a lot of people they might even need to do that i think a lot of people i've, I've listened to on podcasts actually from other experts in in the area which because i guess i haven't really pushed myself um, in the right, I guess what I would say, efficacious way to those sort of body weights. Even though I've been to like twenty percent body fats, even during bulk and pace four, but probably just done it too quickly. But those that have pushed up, said they needed to potentially to actually push themselves and gain that extra bit of muscle. Like if they'd have stopped any earlier, they just wouldn't have progressed as much, and they've actually yeah. needed to push that boundary almost. So, um, and again, I don't know how evidence or scientific based that is, but anecdotally i've heard people talk around that yeah that you know there comes points in people's careers where to get over plateaus they've had to push body weight up higher than what they might like one thing yeah it, it does make sense in some in some respects as well doesn't it mm. i think um we've probably run out of time to talk about the co- the topic and i you know the we did have a long conversation prior to this around how we were gonna talk around it maybe we can it and bear in mind we've just talked loads around our own updates and a few little things in between which hopefully would be interesting to people anyway um but we were obviously going to talk around the um censorship of the word obesity because there seems to be a lot of conversation around that this week based on um i don't uh, a prominent ish i think in the health for every uh, health for any size movement anyway a prominent ish figure called out mr nadolski and the rp crew around being um, what did she call them? Uh, lipidologists that are interested in selling weight loss products and saying like, because um, I think Spencer had said something along the lines of obesity shouldn't be censored because it's basically denying a fundamental mental medical term that is detrimental to people's health, um, which you know we've got opinions on. So we were going to just have a chat about it, weren't we? But I think we'll maybe can it for this week shall we and just maybe do it next week and this will be a little teaser for people well Well, I'm just thinking if not this could be another hour and a half episode which might be a little too long so uh, and also it probably gives us more time to round up our thoughts around what they are because obviously I guess we were going to have a very opinion piece around our initial thoughts uh, and just knock a few ideas back and forth but it gives us a bit more time to to maybe think about it and yeah I think so I think it makes sense yeah Yes, yes, okay. Um, well, we, we've hit an hour nearly anyway, so hopefully people have found that hour useful. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, share. Thank you for those that have shared uh, recently. Uh, that doesn't go uh, unnoticed. And please tag us in if you do share so we can obviously thank you personally because we'd love to do that. Um, and I think, anyone listening, what is it tomorrow, the 22nd? Oh, it's my dad's birthday tomorrow, so everyone can, if they can wish my dad a happy birthday tomorrow. Uh, lockdown birthdays are obviously shit so I'm sure he'll appreciate that he won't listen to me when you fucking know anyway that I've said this <laughs> um, what I was going to say is on the 24th and 25th of February um, our uh, partners Eat Lean are having a sale where if you use our code NNN10 you get 20% off their entire inventory nice number if you, if you, if what is your number one Eat Lean product Johnny what do you like the most? I quite so I am tasting them all, but I like just the standard 
clean, clean block of cheese. Block, yeah, because yeah. okay. it's so high in protein, it's ridiculous. Because it was a clean, the old fucking block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's and uh, you know I've often re- re- uh, substituted my whey shake for just you know, like a hundred gram lump of cheese, um, because and it, and it says how good it is when Shirley says, actually, that's pretty good. Yeah, and she likes cheese. So generally speaking, you think because mm, there's a slight difference in taste, obviously. Oh, there, absolutely. But, but she's like, oh, that's quite nice. I think um, I, I'm, I'm so. I suppose without elongating elongating this episode even longer, um, in that good English, I am of the opinion for the most part trying to healthify non health food. Not that I'm saying cheese is necessarily non health food, but trying to healthify things in terms of reducing calories, adding protein, like the protein pancakes argument with Richie the dickhead, fucking Voldemort. What's he doing? Um, inside joke. Some people will get that. Some people won't. Sorry if you don't. <laughs> um, but Richie Kerwin was saying about how uh, protein pancakes are great. And I'm like, mm, sorry, mate, but I'm of the opinion that they ruin. You take a good food and you absolutely ruin it. Like Much like cauliflower pizza, much like zucchini oats and all of these things that fit this. Courgette and oats. Like, I think pe- people call it zotes because obviously zucchini is a better abbreviation than courgette. Because what would that be? Coats? Courgette? Uh, I don't know, whatever. Yes, but so, shit. yeah, cold. it's shit. Um, now, I don't want to sound elitist by saying this shit because, trust me, I've done all of that. I have made cauliflower pizzas. I've made numerous protein pancakes on Pancake Day over many years. Um, my Facebook reminds me every single fucking year <laughs> that I have done that. So I'm not sounding elitist in the slightest. However, at the time, I would say I was borderline eating disorder because I used to think and tell people. No, they're really good. Honestly, they're really enjoyable. And now I look back when I have a far better food relationship and I think, no, they were really shit. And I convinced myself that they were really good and in reality, they were not a good substitute. So um, the reason I'm bringing all up is because, as I said, I am one to think that uh, we shouldn't be trying to healthify certain foods to include in our diet. We should probably just include them in our diet and make adjustments elsewhere or kind of live with our own decisions for the most part. However, there is a, like everything, there is a bit of in the middle, uh, which works probably. And this should also come down to individual's decisions and preference anyway. So don't let me tell you you shouldn't be eating protein pancakes on protein, uh, sorry, on protein pancake day, on pancake day. Um, but with the cheese, I would say that I think for many people, nearly said most, but I think for many people, it is actually a worthwhile substitute. So therefore healthifying that type of food. Because I think the, the, the quality of like the eat lean block in terms of its like the enjoyment of the cheese is far better than the kind of the uh i suppose the reduction in nutritional content you would have by having the, the original so i think obviously basically it's a, it's a worthwhile trade-off because you might have you, you basically lose a little bit in taste and a little bit of enjoyment but you gain so much more in kind of like the, the higher protein content and the reduced calories and stuff so anyway long, long-winded conversation there about that um you need to try the eating tasty block though mate because that is as good or better than most cheeses. Um, and right now. And it's still, well, don't do it right now. Wait for the sale. You can still get, you can still use our code and get 20% off. <laughs> it's still not started yet. No, it's the 24th and 5th. I think it's only two days. So look out for that. Um, but yeah, eating taste is great because it is uh, slightly higher calories than obviously the eating block, but still lower than most, if not all cheeses um, and higher protein. So, and it tastes fucking amazing. So it tastes like normal cheddar. Like a Nasty. nice mature cheddar. But obviously you've got the spreadables, the the little nibble box, which are quite good. They're like little eating block sticks, the kind of sticks with seeds and nuts and stuff in it, with it with a little sauce to dip in. They're quite nice. Uh, yeah, but our recipe book obviously we're going to have a few eating recipes because uh, I do obviously make quite a lot of food with their things, which I've made into quite nice recipes. So, and um, yes, it's slightly healthifying some things. So I'm going to contradict myself to a, to a little bit, but I don't. You know, I've kind of almost defended my reason for that and eating. So that's fair enough. Um, I just want to remind people that really, just in case you want to make use of the twenty percent off, because obviously it doesn't happen. Actually, I don't think it's ever happened. They've had that higher sale off, so um, significant savings. Spend a billion pounds and save twenty percent of a billion. That's quite a lot of savings. Make yourself rich. There's a lot of savings. Yeah. Get on it. Yeah, get on it. Get on it. Um, nothing else to say, right? I don't think so. No. No. Okay. Let's say. Tainara, be the same. Yeah. Tara. All of that stuff. Tara. What's goodbye in Welsh? I've asked this before. Probably have. Oh, come on, Johnny. You're Welsh, for fuck's sake. Hoylvau. 
one Maybe. of our, of our I've, what's, what's that what's that place with the longest name in the world those I can't say it <laughs> you're like the most non-Welsh Welsh person although you, you do like to eat that um, cowl stuff or whatever it is cowl is awesome if you know it is a cowl you should get on it it's not soup it's kind of better than soup soup is bullshit well, do, do you think cowl with uh, like a nice slice of uh, toasted sourdough with uh, melted eatling cheese on the top would go, you know, like something nice to dip in it. That sounds nice. I think, I think I could work the dip in, yeah. yeah. I think it could work. Yeah. Good, good. Well, hopefully people can enjoy that. Look up cowl if you don't know what it is. Most people already, I didn't until I met you, if I'm honest. Nice amount of protein and loads of vegetables and some potatoes. What more can you ask for in a meal? Wow. Um, yeah. Right, on that note, we will say sayonara. Uh, ta-da. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Mm-hmm.